0: Hey, uh, so welcome. Thanks so much for coming. We're a family church. As you can tell, we try and celebrate as much as we can. We forget a lot of people. There's always birthdays and sometimes we forget. So if that's you, maybe next year. Stick around one more year. There's a saying, keep coming back and, uh, and, and we'll get, we'll get to your birthday again. Well, what we call this group, and it started in the backyard over five and a half years ago, was we call it The Gathering. And the mindset of The Gathering was that we would come together in the name of Jesus Christ, no matter where, and we would celebrate him, and we would utilize one piece of scripture to form this group and ultimately a church. It came through some prayer, and myself and Jeremy and Jeff and Madison and Liz and And Heidi and a few people got together and we said, if we did Acts 2.42, each and every time we got together, that something would happen. That's all we did. We read a piece of scripture, the Holy Spirit comes, and then there's this great message. And then it says, if everybody just does this, that something will happen. And we've experienced that here. And during that, as we started celebrating and gathering in the name of Jesus, we saw the mission of God's plan come to unfold in our hearts. And it was John one four, first John four eight is what I meant is, and it says that if you know that verse, it says God is love, and we took that idea that love was what God wanted us to be and how He wanted us to be in this community, and so we are our mission of this church and of Wednesday night is loving the world one person at a time because God is love. And we want to take that to every part of the world. And a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated that. God is love. We do this so much. We want to use this mission about Jesus and Acts 2.42 and making sure that we present the gospel in, in a very powerful way. That we do two nights. We do Or two days. We do a Sunday and a Wednesday. Because we believe that our our community was lacking another Wednesday night service. Not just because of that, but we wanted to make sure that our church community would get multiple nights or days to celebrate Jesus. So what we decided to do was come on Wednesday nights to expose people to the word of God. To help them expand their knowledge. A lot of times we don't get that when I teach, but when Jeremy teaches, he really expands And then beyond that, Wednesday night, we like to teach a little differently. And we want to do that so that we can experience and share the truth with each other. And we do that around round tables. So um, that's something that we want to do. And that's why we do the gathering. Did we we do the trailer yet? Okay, let's do a trailer. We have created something new. It's actually not me because I know nothing. But just watch this trailer. This is something we're going to present. And it will be on the web here soon as well. So let's go ahead and do that. If everybody holds their breath, it'll come on. So start holding your breath. This Sunday and on the web this week, we're going to put a new thing called The Anchor. And the Bible talks about us being anchored into Christ. And we're going to start doing some sermon-based things during, doing through media. Uh, my buddy Tucker uh, does a great job at some of this. And he's got a lot of gifts. And so a group of us are going to come around and do some media that we've tried to get. It's called The Anchor. It's going to be really cool. It'll be media. Uh, it'll be sermon-based, and you'll be able to go to the web, and you'll be able to use our YouTube page, and we'll show it on Facebook as well. But we're excited about that, and it will pose questions during the week or two about what we can do to anchor into Christ. Pretty cool, huh? So we're excited about that. So let's start. We're going to go back. Uh, we're starting a new uh, section of the Bible. We just went through almost 65 weeks or so. I didn't really count, but I'm thinking over 60 weeks of the book of Acts. And uh, as we went through the process, we've made a decision that we are going to do Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. Now we're going back to the Old Testament. And Jeremy last week kicked off a a, a pretty uh, uh, impactful message about Daniel. He gave away a bunch of my factoids, so me and him have some issues to deal with. But I love giving away factoids, so I'm just going to kind of start tonight a little differently. We got a lot of information about uh, last week and... and, um, Last week we had this little piece of paper and we wrote out all kinds of stuff on it, if you remember, what Daniel was about. And through that we understood the whole idea of, we covered almost everything that was in the Bible, in in Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 is a beautifully written piece of literature. It's a moving story of the early days of Daniel and his companions in Babylon. So it's a pretty powerful text. Chapter 1 is an interesting piece of scripture because it gets condensed Um, a historical setting that is condensed and gives us the whole setting of Daniel. By the end of today's message, you're going to see the whole full condensed setting of Daniel and the historical text and what's going to happen. It also sets a tone for Daniel and all his experiences and his trials and how he deals with those things. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting book. Daniel also contrasts the major prophets. Even though Daniel is not a considered a major prophet, there is some things that are uh, pretty amazing. Even though it's a shorter prophetical book, it's shorter, it, it, it is more complete and more comprehensive than even some of the bigger texts of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. It, it's got sweeping revelations, and it would be what we call a complete full text because it talks about not only prophecy, but it gives some really good background So this introductory of Daniel explains how Daniel was prepared, how he was called, how he was matured by God, and how he was blessed by God. All those things are something that you should be thinking about in your life. How were you called by God? How are you prepared, matured, and how are you on a daily basis being blessed by God? We will receive all of that, not only in this introductory chapter, but throughout this whole text of Daniel as we go through it for a few months. With the uh, possibility of Moses and Solomon, Daniel might be the most learned man in the Bible. He might be the most intellectual man in the Bible. If you guys remember... Uh, about Moses. Why was Moses uh, so educated? Anybody know? He was basically the king's brother, and he was got the best education because the king had the most money, right? If you get the most money, you get to go to USC, right? No USC fans here? Good job, Nick. If you don't get the best money, you get to go to Chico State. That's where I went. Always get a reaction on Chico. It's funny. I don't understand why. But he was very learned, just like Solomon had a very great education because he was a king's son. Now, Daniel was, had an, an immense education. You're going to see that unfold today. And uh, he had a great role in biblical history, and he understood literature very well. So it's a pretty interesting book. So let's kind of get ready to read. I'm going to read just the first couple of verses. But let me kind of set the stage. Last week, Jeremy set the stage about these guys getting some new names. There was these boys from Israel that were in captivity in Babylon now. And they had been called into the king's royal noble council. Because they realized that they wanted to do some amazing stuff. They had some knowledge and, and, and ideas. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, let me get these guys together. And let's teach them because I want to get a couple of them to be in my royal court. And part of that required some training and food. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read from Daniel chapter uh, 1 and we'll uh, we'll read, uh, we'll read uh, just eight and nine, I think, maybe 10, if we can ever get to it. Anybody got any jokes? you got to find it in the... Oh, here it is. It's right where my mark was. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, Am I afraid of the Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink? Why should he... Why? What? Why should? Yeah. Why should he see looking for the worst? Is this the wrong verse? All right, let's do this again. But the official told Daniel, "I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other type of men? The king would then have my head because of you." That was hard. Is that? Is not the same as on the verse? Is it the same? What's just me? It's one of those days. Anyways, let's pray. Hey, as I pray today, will you guys ask God to speak to you and uh, get something out of tonight so that you will understand how to become closer to God and what you need to do to move into God's plan. So let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise. We lift you up and ask for your glory. Ask for your love and grace and mercy. Ask for your forgiveness where we need to be forgiven. And your strength where we need to have your strength, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I meant to start something different. So I want to kind of just reset. Go ahead and be seated. Uh, I'm a little off tonight because right before I got here, I found out that one of my buddies that uh, got me into ministry is passing away as we speak. And it kind of took me for a moment. And I, you know, Jeff Foss and a couple other people were like, well, you should go. And Jeremy could just get up there and read and probably do a better job anyways. But I I know what Steve would say. Steve Ogney, Dr. Steve Ogney, he's my mentor. He's the reason that I became a minister. He's the one that pushed me to get my my stuff together. And he would want me to get up here and preach. And if he makes it, I'll go see him after. But if not, we know where he's heading. And he's been struggling. And his son comes to our church. He's been here uh, several times. And he's the reason why I'm here. So... I I, I think I need to say that so I can get my head right and get my heart right because this is what God wants us to do. We have a glorious God that does glorious things. And at some point in our life, we all get to go see our maker. We get. And he's he's struggling health-wise. And uh, I I know he wasn't ready. He wanted to still be on this earth. This guy was an amazing guy, and this is the last thing I just want you to know. This guy had planted over 500 churches, lived in Little Somas, California, and he's got several books, people all over the world um, love this man. And I remember going to see him in the hospital uh, several years ago when he first got diagnosed with some issues. And the woman said, are you going to see Steve? Because I was walking around looking, and I was carrying a Bible, and I go, Yeah. And she goes, this is the man I've never seen the most visitors ever. And she goes, why? And I said, he's a church planner and a pastor. He's had just constant flow of people throughout his whole time. And that's what happens when you you give away God's blessing. So anyways, I think I needed to honor Steve by saying that. And as he's reaching for Jesus right now, uh, hopefully we will have that same effect during today's message. So let's talk a little bit about today's message. And, and, and what I want you to do is I want you to just look at the first verse. David is making a fatal stand. He is making a stand that is so fatal because he's basically questioning, do I really need to do this? He's making a fatal stand. Under normal circumstances, this guy, Daniel, I'm saying Daniel, I said David, Daniel should be shot. He should be killed because of what he's doing. Now, Daniel is resolved. What does that mean? Daniel is resolved. In most texts, it says made a decision. If you look at the words, I think I have the uh, the Hebrew up there. If you look at what the word resolved means, Daniel is resolved. It's basically he's made a decision. And just look at these. This is the definition. If you look at the, the Hebrew, here's the definition, but look at some of the words that this word correlates with. He was directed towards. He was ordained. He was established. He was determined. He was to make. He was transformed he's to bring to pass that's what this word means he is resolved he is ordained to bring to pass determined to do something in that first couple of words it says a lot to us on why he is who he is he is resolved some of yours says uh, he was made to make a decision he has a purpose Uh, most of the translations were determined in purpose. The idea here was that he was going to die for the most part. We don't understand kingship in the United States at all. We don't understand that issue. We don't understand kingship because we don't have that hierarchy over us. We could stand up and pretty much say anything in our public square... Except a few things. You can't yell out in groups and stuff. Fire and certain things to create terror and stuff. But for the most part, we could stand up to our political people and protest. We don't like you. But if you do that in the kingship, the guys in the black cars show up and take you away. And you, you get beheaded. If you look at the history of kingships, many people are beheaded because they, are, they have people that are against the kingdom. We don't understand that. As Americans, we have this great freedom. And that freedom really allows us to to to, to not understand kingship. So here we see that he's made a decision. What has he made a decision to do? Daniel was resolved not to defile himself with this royal food, right? Let's go to verse 9. It says, Now God has caused the official favor and compassion. Daniel is resolved... But God has caused. I'm going I'm to repeat those a lot in the next few minutes. Daniel is resolved, determined, established. But God has caused. God has caused uh, the official to show favor and compassion on Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the king. I don't want to do this because I'm afraid. Who has assigned me your food and drink? Why should he see you looking worse than the other people, the other young men? The king would have my head because of you. He's like, listen to what you're asking me to do. Not only are you telling me to defile the rules that he's given me, but now my head is on the line. When somebody else defiles the, uh, defies the king, it's a conspiracy and everybody can, beheaded, can be beheaded because of that. So the idea here is God works in our time, in our life, but we take credit for it. David is resolved, but the next verse says, but God caused the official to show favor. You know, all throughout my day, all throughout my week, all throughout my month, when I think about it, I think I do a lot of good stuff. But truthfully, God causes a lot of good stuff. This is an important event that the Bible is showing us in our life right now. This is an important event that we need to understand. God causes a lot of good things to happen in your life. We do a lot of good things and get bonuses and work and money and all these things. But truthfully, it's God that causes it. He is the provision of our life. He is the one that causes all these things. So what I want to do to kind of start things off is I want you to think about the last day or a few days or a week, however far you need to go back. Think about the last time you took credit for something God caused. Go. Shouldn't take you very long. Everybody takes a lot of credit for what God does. But look through your day and think, where did you take credit when you're going, no, that was probably God. And we need to look back in retrospect to really see that where you took credit for it. Does that make sense? Everybody looking at me weird? All right. So, here in the story, God caused Daniel's uh, nobility, the guy that's in front of him, to do something, right? Right? God caused this guy to show compassion. Where in your life Have you said, oh, that was probably my bonus. That's the reason I got that job or something. But really, that was God. Does that make sense? All right, go ahead. Figure it out. Okay, got about a minute. We got a couple more questions to get to, so... Okay, let's come back together. I know that's a difficult question, but I wanted you guys to think about it for a second because a lot of times we, we, we minimize what God does in our life. And, I, and I, think God, I think the Bible is written here and it says that God had caused the official to show favor and compassion. How many times has somebody that you've worked with, your boss or your wife or your husband or your kids showing you compassion and favor? Is that God causing or are you doing your own thing? I've been kind of working with some stuff, some family stuff with my girls the last few weeks and and I've been putting a lot of blood, sweat and tears in it, but it's only God's compassion and favor, and there's really nothing that I've done, you know, and there's nothing that I really can do, but we put ourselves in the midst of that, thinking that no, I'm the one that's pressing the buttons and making things happen, but truly, it's God causing that. I remember um, when I first started going to church, I wasn't a very good Christian. And uh, I was was told I was supposed to tithe 10% and I used to make a lot of money. And, you know, they wanted me to put thousands of dollars in the offering on a monthly basis. And I'm like, well, Jesus ain't cold calling like I am. I'm dead serious. That's what I would say. That was my example. I'm like... I'm the one making the cold calls. I'm the one bringing home the bacon. I haven't heard Jesus do one cold call, right? That's how immature I was in what God causes. God causes all kinds of things. And I was like more focused on how I was doing. And Jesus was just this sidecar that was trying to grab some money out of my pocket. You know, he's one of those things holding out his hand. And that's not who Jesus is. He doesn't need our money. He needs our heart. And when we have our heart right with God, we want to give him as much as we have. And we also give him some money so that his, com- his mission will move. God causes. Daniel is resolved and God causes. Daniel is resolved, determined, established, ordained to do something, to stand up for something and say, this is what I believe in. And God causes all kinds of things to happen. The interesting thing here is Daniel has a purpose. I was talking to somebody this week and they're like, I don't have a purpose. If you're a Christian and you don't have a purpose, we're missing the boat. We are missing the boat as ed- as people that preach the message. You need to get into a small group, have a purpose, be established, ordained, wake up every morning and say, at least, Lord, I'm going to make my life better. So that I can live a happier life and have the love kind of spout out of me. And that's what's happened to me. I got clean and sober and tried to change my life. I have a purpose to make this world better by me quit getting arrested. The world's a better place, right? Amen. You don't have to check your wallets today. Here's something else that I want you to grab a hold of. Daniel is not trying to please Nebuchadnezzar. Do you see that? There's a king that's got a lot of power. He's got the ability to say off with with his head and kill a whole bunch of people with one order. And he's not trying to please Nebuchadnezzar. He's also not trying to be the popular guy. Oh, let's just do this. Everybody's doing it. It's no big deal. We'll eat the rich food. We'll drink all the good wine. And we'll just get... I was going to say something that's not appropriate. I was going to say fat, dumb, and stupid. But I shouldn't think I'd say that. The idea here is that he's not trying to earn a popularity contest. He's not trying to please man. He's resolved. But more times than not, we try and please men and women, husbands and wives. We try and please our kids. I know I do. Just to shut them up. Here's what the Bible says about this. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. It says... And now I am, am I, and Paul's writing this, and he's like, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Or am I trying to please people? If we are still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. When we are pleasing people, and by nature, my DNA, the DNA of Jeff Rodriguez is to be a people pleaser. And I need to step away from that because a people pleaser ultimately becomes a self-sacrificer. Because I end up self-sacrificing myself to other things and over-serving and overdoing. We are not to be pleasing people. We are to please God. We are not winning a popularity contest. It doesn't matter as long as you're resolved and allow God. He will cause great favor and compassion even in the toughest times. Let's continue. Verse 11. It says, Then Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearances with that of the young men who eat the royal food. Treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So here's the plan. Here's the plan that we have. I think we have a picture of the plan. It's a diet of sorts. This is these guys, as they're saying, not that kind of food. They're resolved and they're saying, we're not going to eat that. So he gives us this diet. I think we call it the Daniel diet. I'm not promoting the Daniel. That was a joke for some of you. Thanks, Nita, for laughing. There is a diet called the Daniel diet. It's got all kinds of stuff. It's 79.95. If you want it, I'll sell it. It's actually this diet is the one that he says. There's, this is the diet that he says. It's eating vegetables and add a little bit of water. And that's the diet that they're choosing. They are resolved that we are not going to fall victim to what Nebuchadnezzar has ordered. They're going to say, you know what? We're going to not have the rich foods and the the chicken and the tri-tip and the beer and wine. We're going to eat fruit and vegetables and water. And we're going to stand true to what God wants us to stand true to. Daniel is resolved. The guard is afraid. God is causing. But what is he causing? He's causing grace and mercy to unfold in Daniel's life. Because of his resolute, because he's established and God is his Lord and Savior, he is is open to what God wants from him. And he's not doing a popularity contest. He's not trying to please men and women. And because of that, God causes everything for the good of his purpose. We see that and we say that a lot in church. But that's what God does. God can take the worst thing that's ever happened to you a molestation, a a, 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 a foreclosure, drug addiction, divorce, loss of money, death. As my buddy Steve, my phone was vibrating a lot right before, a few minutes ago, that Steve had passed. That happens but he still says he can use it for the good and purpose of God's of God's journey on what he's trying to do in this world, not just in your life. God causes a lot of good things to happen, and he also lets some of the other things happen so that we can grow through that, and that's what this journey is about, us growing. So here's the next question. I want to spend about five minutes on this. I want to make sure everybody shares. Here's the question. Let's put it up there. Where in your life... Can you take a stand for God right now? Here's some examples. Sharing more, loving more, quitting some habitual sins, changing, taking care of yourself better, maybe healthier, loving, working on the sin, all these things. I want you to confess in front of your brothers and sisters, not confess like your sin, but where you can take a stand. Where can you stand up and take a stand for God? Right? So go ahead. Okay, we got about a minute. Make sure everybody's sharing. Where are you going to be resolved? All right, let's bring it back together. Okay, so what I want to do really quick is, I, what I want to do really quick is, does, it, does anybody feel, feel obligated to say this is where I'm going to stand? Does anybody feel like the Holy Spirit saying this is what I need to do to stand up? Anybody? Okay, what is it? What? Taking care of yourself is important. What do you have? Taking a stand by leading by example. Anybody else? Jim. Amen. You've grown a lot because of that. It's good. It's a good stand to take. Anybody else? Bart. Share the good news. Kevin, you want to say something? good? Deborah? More loving? Okay. Anybody else? These are important things to talk about. Because we're supposed to be resolved like Daniel saying, I have a savior and I need to take a stand. The truth is, in a Bible group like this on a Wednesday night, the way that you grow in this group is around the small tables. When you kind of dissect the word and you open up to someone and say, what is he saying? What's the question mean? And someone or multiples of one say something at the table that allows you to grow. So the questions are really important. Maybe they're confusing sometimes. The point is that you have a conversation point to start to grow and say, This is where I need to be better at. And when you put that before other people in God, you have an opportunity to stand and be resolute, established, ordained to do great work and take a stand like Daniel did. Fifteen says at the verse 15 says, At the end of the ten days they look healthier. And better nourished than any of the other young men who ate royal food. So the guard took away their choice of food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables and said, Don't you hate that type of person? <laughs> when I read that verse, I'm like, Ugh, Jeremy Case, why did you do that? You know, that, it's like, my, my, Is my mom here? If she's not here, I'll tell you this. My mom used to make me do, Oh, sorry, mom. <laughs> By the time I was 12 years old, I went and did every diet upon mankind in the 70s and 80s. I did every diet because, you know, once mom made a decision, we all decided. And so here's what happened. These guys get healthier and all of a sudden the booze and the good food is gone. That's not good. That's a bad situation and it's going to turn out great because Daniel makes a stand. The whole place receives God's blessing and favor. So I want you to think about this for a second. They go through a 10-day fast, and there is a Daniel plan, there's a Daniel diet, there's a 10-day fast, and a a 21-day cleanse. There's all kinds of stuff. If you want to get it, go look at it. I'm not promoting that. But what I'm promoting to you is when you take a stand, when you're resolved, and you're willing to go through the process... 90 days, right, to get to the fruit of life, right? When you go through these things, 10 days, 40 days, 10 months, 40 months, 10 years, 40 years, you will be resolved and you will you will find at the end a great output, but we need to be willing to go through. If God told each one of us here today that in 10 days or 40 days that something was going to miraculously changed, how many of you would be resolved to stand up and go, I'm going to do everything you said for the next 40 days we'd all walk out of here fired up saying yes Jeff but the tomorrow morning you might be a little less resolved or when you got home and the remote is on and special victims units on and God told you to read every night and turn the TV off and engage with your family and your family's not engageable right now but would you do that 40 days? That's what we're talking about here. Daniel was willing to be beheaded and stand against it. And as God gave him favor, he realized God's doing something here. So let's do a testing. And he tested this guy and said, give us 10 days. Let us eat. Let us try. And let us be resolved in this. And that's what happens. Daniel is faithful. He's resolved. And he became willing to do whatever God wants. And the end result that we see here is transformation, right? Man, wouldn't it be great if the gospel was come to Jesus, get resolved, and in 10 days you're going to be the best Jew that you've ever been. There'd There'd be lines to get in. The truth is God wants us to be resolved because sometimes it's 10 years. Sometimes it's 20 years. Sometimes it's the last few minutes of your life that you're resolved and you understand that God is good all the time. Our our faith in God brings us so much. Our faith in God brings us so much. If we're just resolute, if we are ordained and understand that God has a plan inside of us, God will bring faithfulness. I want to do a little sneak peek. Jeremy Kay's created a new series in a couple of weeks. And here's the sneak peek. We're going to go through uh, uh, Psalms 40. And here's a little bit of what we're going to study. We're going to go verse by verse in the Psalms. And here's what it says. Oh, the joys of the Lord, uh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord, who have no confidence in the pride and those who worship idols. So, O Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans are too numerous to list. You have no equal if, you, if I try to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. One day, we're going to be in heaven, and we're going to be able to see all the deeds that God has done. All the things that he has done, we will be able to see it, and it will be amazing. He's doing stuff and causes stuff for us all day long. Their list is so numerous. It's, the, it's, it's as much as the stars. You don't realize how many things he's doing just for you to get to church and for you to get out of church and making these breaths. God is doing a, an enormous amount of stuff in our life. When we make a stand and God is faithful and we are not defiled or we don't take in the worldly things, and in this context they're saying the, the, the rich wine and food, but we have to look at our own life and say, what are we letting the world creep into? Social media. TV, popularity, jobs, promotions, evictions, death. Don't let the world defile us. And when we are not defiled and we are resolute with God and we take a stand, we will look like these young men who are brighter and glowing and are healthier, right? When we stand up for God, all of a sudden we look more attractive to the world. And I'm not talking about... uh, uh, better not say that. I'm not talking about... Yeah, I know. I'm not talking about good-looking, attractive. They're like, why is Becky living a life like that? She's different now. A year ago, she's a different person. What What's happening? How can I get that? Because she seems happier, right? And she could have worse circumstances, but still seem happy, right? That's what we're talking about, and that's what we see in Daniel. They, they, they look healthier, they look better to the point where the guard's like, "I better feed all these guys' vegetables and wine because I'm going to get beheaded if I feed them all this crap, right? Uh, I was going to say something else, but it's not appropriate. So. man I got a lot of stuff going on in my head tonight, so <laughs> I've caught about six of them so far. so here's what it says, verse 17. To these four young men, God gave great knowledge and understanding of all kinds, literature and learning. Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. This is an important part. This is an important part of our text. Daniel ultimately becomes the prime minister, if you can put it in our context, the prime minister of two great empires. He becomes, in in our context, the the most powerful person. And Except in the United States, the prime minister in most countries is the most powerful person in the country. He becomes that prime minister. These guys receive all kinds of knowledge and understanding. And in this verse, you see the future. I told you at the beginning, chapter 1 kind of sets up all of what's going to happen in the future of this book. Visions and dreams. We're going to see dream interpretations. And at the end, Jeremy said this is broken up in two parts. The first part is about Daniel and his companions. The second part are about these four visions that he has. And it leads us to end time theology. Daniel is resolved. And God causes. And we need to take a stand because we have a giving God. Here we see God give again. God gives these guys all this wisdom and knowledge, all these gifts of understanding and interpreting, interpreting dreams and all these things. God gives. Here's what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 3 6 and 8, 6 through 8. Paul is writing, and here he writes I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We see here, this is a reminder. We don't always get to do what we had planned on God to do, right? Paul came in and went and planted a church. And he went and spread it like Johnny Appleseed into the church. And he started planting and seeding and doing all these things. Tilling the ground and preaching the gospel. But what happened was, Apollos was an amazing speaker. And all of a sudden it said, because of Apollos' watering there started to be little budlings and great, great growth in the church. But Paul's like, listen, I water, I did the tilling, right? And there's a new guy coming in and he's doing the watering, but who's the one that gives growth? But God gave the growth. So then, neither neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God is the one who gives the growth. God is the one that gives the growth here, and in Bible studies, in your devotion, and through these small groups. God is a giver. When we are resolute and resolved with God, and we allow Him to come into our heart, and you're open to it, and you're allowing someone to do some planting and watering in your life, you will see great growth from God. Now, the planting and the watering are have one purpose. Each one will receive his own ...crown regarding his own labor. Each one will receive whatever they're due. But that's an interesting place. That's where God does, right? Sometimes we don't get that. We're just the planters. And then somebody else comes and waters. That's how it happens a lot of times. And unfortunately, it's not that glamorous... ...if you're just the planter and you don't see the buds. You don't get to see the growth. You don't get to see the crops flourish. It's sometimes not that fun. God gives... When we're right with Him and we stand for Him, He gives. And the truth is, He even gives the people that don't stand for Him. God is gracious; He's blessing people that don't even bless Him back. He just does, and that's crazy. And we'll talk about it at the end. Verse eighteen. We're getting close here. At the end of time, uh, at the end of time set by the King. To bring them into the service, the chief uh, official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. the The king talked to them. He found none of them equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So the king entered the, the so they entered the king's service. In every matter, the wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, they found that they were ten times better than all the magicians, enchanters in his whole kingdom. Because of what they received, they were ten times better. Right. Do you want 1 million or 10 million? I'll take the 10, please. Make my house payment a little lighter. These guys were better. God gave them all kinds of things. When we close this chapter, as we kind of close this, the summarizing here is this. These guys were basically in three years of hard study. They went from young men to now early 20s or in 1920, 20 something. They just went through this three year period. So the Bible in the last couple of verses has gone through this three year period. And now they're becoming part of the the council of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar. And so they've gone through this and they've completed their education. And so it's kind of like they just went through this boot camp or this. They've got their degree through college after three years. Verse 21 says this. And then Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. If you remember back at the beginning of my message. I said chapter 1 summarizes all that's going to happen in the book of Daniel. And here it says he remains there until King Cyrus. It's a historical setting for the entire book of Daniel. That last verse says this is how long Daniel will be part of of, of the plan and in the upper echelon uh, next to King Nebuchadnezzar and King Cyrus. I love this eloquent testimony here about God's power and grace. And it comes in a dark hour. Israel has been destroyed. It's a dark time for Israel. There's remnants. There's there's destruction. These guys have been brought and been uh, they've been discombobulated or disassembled from their group, and 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 now they're they're coming into the the nobility and royalty of the king, and they're making God's plans. He's going to use them because of Daniel's faithfulness and the willingness to be resolved and compassionate and loving the Lord and allowing Him to work. Him and his friends shine brighter. Than anybody else. They shined brighter because they were willing to stand. When everybody else wasn't willing to stand. And that was the question today. Are you willing to stand? Now I want to close with this. I, on Easter Sunday. We talked about this. And, and the truth is. This verse a lot. If you, if you Google uh, 1 Corinthians 1.25. There's all kinds of things about Paul blaspheming God. And here's what the verse says. But this verse, people don't understand what this verse says. And I want you to understand, if we are resolved in God, this verse makes so much sense to us. So let me me break that down to a little bit. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. What is the foolish plan of God? Does anybody know what it is? The cross. There's a picture of the cross here. That is foolish. Who in this room or who on this earth would give their son up to make the world a better place? Let me take one of my kids and say, if I sacrifice Sawyer, Dustin's son, it's going to make the world a better place. That's a foolish plan. It's a foolish plan that one kid will be sacrificed for the whole mankind. It's a foolish plan. But the truth is, it's the greatest plan that's ever come. Because God knew that the weakness of God is, that the second part is, it's a foolish plan that one man would sacrifice his son. One God would sacrifice his son so all of us can have a a, a life everlasting. But does anybody know what God's weakness is? That's right. He loves you. He's so stupidly foolish and weak for you. That he would give his son and he's saying, listen, I know you guys don't love me, but I love you. And I got a weak heart for the love that you have, that I have for you. My heart is weak. It would just be easier for him to come and snap his fingers and make us all robotic worshipers. But he's like, I love you so much. I'm going to give you time to grow and work through this. Stand firm and stand strong. Let's pray. Father, we come today to share your word. To the world, it's a foolish plan. To the humans, we don't understand your weakness us. Lord, I hope that as Steve is in your hands today, that he heard this message and he was honored. And I pray... That you will allow us to stand up and take a stand for all that is good in this world, Father. Build us up and give us strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks you guys. I appreciate it. Have a great day.